Well, welcome to the second week of Advent. Advent is, um, is a season of anticipation. But what are we anticipating? We're, we're anticipating the birth of Jesus, but he's come. He has been born. So for us, in a, in a very real sense, what we are anticipating is a, is a celebration. Celebration of his birth, and in that celebration, we are remembering. Anticipation and remembrance. It's a season for us to focus our hearts. Focus our hearts, and, and in that anticipation and remembrance, we are assured that he will come again. We look forward to that time as we take comfort in what he has already done. As we make our way through Advent, we come today to that time of remembrance and anticipation through song. We'll look to Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. This is, this is Mary's song. Before we go there, let's ask the Lord's blessing on the reading and preaching of his word. Would you bow with me? Father, as we come to this text, we ask that you would give us the blessing of unbridled joy, of self-forgetfulness, and the ability to turn our focus on Christ. Do this, we ask, in his name. Amen. Friends, this, this is the word of God. Receive it now. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He's helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. This is the word of the Lord. My dog, Lucy, whom some of you have had the blessing of meeting up close and personal, she'll turn nine next month. It's hard for me to imagine nine years have passed, but I remember the day we surprised the kids with her. She was a little pup. They didn't know that we were getting Lucy, and so they had been with some friends, and, and they came home that day, and, and there we were with this little puppy. And this look came over their, their faces. They looked, and, and they saw, and you and, and you could see in their, in their mind they were trying to process what was going on. Their eyes got big. This look of confusion on their, 
front of the face kind of gave way to this big grin and, and then screams and, and, and dancing for joy all around the room as they realized what was going on. It was this picture of joy that just, just had to get out. What do you do when you're filled, 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 some version of that word? What do you do when you're filled with joy? Look, come over your face, gleam in your eye. The song that has to make its way out, we can learn a lot from the kids, can't we? Because joy, when it takes hold, it, it has to be expressed. This text today, it's a picture of joy being expressed. It was set up for us last week as, as Jeff so, so ably uh, preached for us earlier in Luke as he spoke of the angel Gabriel coming to, um, to visit Mary. First of all, let it not be lost on us, the gift that we have in this church of raising up young men for, for ministry and rejoice in the fact that they are doing that and, and the Lord is using them. I, I thank the Lord for, for Jeff preaching the word last week. But in that text, he, he, he pointed to this message that the angel Gabriel came to give Mary that she, a young teenage virgin, would, would bear a child. It was probably a, a hard message for her to hear, but he shared with Mary that this child that she would bear would be Emmanuel, God with us, the, the Son of God who had come to bring life to the world and to her. So Mary, filled probably with some uh, mixture of confusion and joy has to do something and so she she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth Elizabeth also is great with child and as Mary comes to see Elizabeth Elizabeth speaks of Mary as being the blessed one but it's not just Elizabeth who is filled with joy. It's the child in, in Elizabeth's womb. John, John the Baptist, who leapt for joy at the presence of Jesus. Joy that has to get out. And so with that background, we come now to verse 46. And, and an un, incredibly understated opening. <laughs> Passage begins, and Mary said, Mary said, if you look at your passage in your Bible, you know that by form, this text is set apart from the prose that is before it and after it. This is poetry. This is poetry, it is exuberant, and it is telling a more vibrant story than merely Mary said. Mary sang. It is not a stretch of the imagination to visualize a play, a musical, where at some point the main character just bursts out into song. That's what Mary's doing here. The spotlight zones in, and the joy takes over. And she sings, my soul magnifies the Lord, 
My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. This passage is called the Magnificat. Magnificat is the Latin word for for magnify. Again, it's beautiful. It's poetic. What does it mean? 47 was the age for me, and 48 has solidified it. I now need readers. <laughs> you know, those cheap glasses that you buy at the drugstore. <laughs> Anna takes particular delight in walking across the room and seeing me with my little half-readers hanging on the edge of my nose, but I fully embrace the fact that I need them to read the small font. They are magnifying glasses, and that's what magnifying glasses do. They take what is small, and they enlarge it. But Mary didn't need something small to be enlarged. Because God's glory is not written in small font. His glory fills the earth. But something in our hearts is tempted to keep him small. The magnifying glass, it, it takes what is small and, and makes it look big. But magnifying God <laughs> takes, takes what is infinite and enlarges it in our hearts so that it might be appropriately sized. It was happening for Mary. It was happening as, as Gabriel came to visit. It was happening for her as, as she comes to, to see Elizabeth. That joy was taking over, and that joy had to be expressed in song. So she sings, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Spirit and soul. Mary is not trying to divide some inner portion of her being. She is, she is poetically saying that everything in her is given over to praise. I praise Him with everything I've got, with all that I am. What is it that is filling her? With this joy, she sings a song of praise, but that song of praise has a content to it. She's celebrating favor. That favor that she celebrates is a favor that is bestowed upon her personally. If you look to verses 48 and 49, the, the first two verses of this song, she's speaking of the favor that she personally experiences. But in verses 50 through 55, the latter portion of this song, she shares that this favor is not merely hers. But it's for all. It's for all of, of God's children, and that includes you. And I, Mary, sings of the favor that is ours. When she sings of this favor, she begins by singing of the favor of, of being looked upon. To be looked upon is to be seen. But a special kind of being seen. Mary's not talking about God sort of panning the crowd. Seeing a a group of faces. No, Mary is talking of, of being focused upon. 
and being seen. She's known. That's what it means to be looked upon. It's to be seen and known. Perhaps some of us are afraid of this kind of favor. We're afraid that if someone looks on us, if someone sees us with that knowing glance, if they see who I really am, what's really inside of me, they won't like what they see and they'll run the other way. Can, can you relate to any of this? We desire relationship, but something in, of us, in us is afraid of it. We want to be known much of our lives is spent with that desire of wanting to be known, yet on some level it scares us. What if the one who sees us doesn't like what they see? Yet Mary, she sings. Because the one who knowingly looked upon her saw all. And he didn't run. Friends, don't, don't buy into some false notion that Mary was the one sinless creature in all of history. No. Mary sings of God, her Savior. Mary knows of her need for this Savior. She is not sinless, but she knows that in this looking and this knowing that she, by the very tangible presence of the child in her womb, is a, is a recipient of God's grace. So she sings a, a song of the favor of being known, but, but this favor... Extends. She sings of his mercy, his mercy on the humble. Again, it's a song for her, it's a song for us. She speaks of her humble estate. It's a description of a low social position, a humble estate she's celebrating the fact that God doesn't look on her with the eyes of the world God is not searching the crowd looking for the rich and the popular because if she if he finds the rich and the popular they will be able to advance his cause no Mary sings because God looks on the humble and shows mercy but this is not merely a song of of social justice. When Mary sings of her humble estate, she's connecting the humble estate of her existence to the state of the heart. Jesus came for those who would humble themselves. Jesus didn't come for those who would present to him their own goodness, their own strength and sufficiency. Jesus came for those who would humbly bow before him, who would humbly bring their need for a Savior. Mary sings of this Savior, the Savior who has come to turn the world upside down. The world celebrates celebrities. But this Jesus, he looks with favor upon the needy. The world shoes away the lowly. 
But Jesus came to scatter the proud. And this scattering the proud also is evidence of his favor. When, when the text tells us, when Mary sings of the Lord scattering of the proud by the strength of his arm, it's not an outright rejection of strength, but she's speaking, the Holy Spirit speaking through her is, is speaking of the, the strong and proud in their own hearts. Jesus rejects the self-sufficient. Jesus rejects the self-important. And they're not looking for his kind of favor anyway, at least not in this life. But there will come a day when all, whether we know it now or not, will come face to face with the reality of our need for a Savior. By God's grace, Mary knows this fact and she sings of it. So as she sings this song of praise that celebrates favor, she is also singing a song that celebrates fulfillment. <laughs> She's singing of salvation. In our culture, our Bible Belt culture, we speak of salvation in terms of getting saved. But when we speak of getting saved, we, whether we know it or not, we, we often speak with the nuance of, this trans, of a transactional salvation, of sort of getting our, our ticket punched to heaven. This Savior, He's not a transactional Savior. This God is a God who looks, who knows. He's a relational God. The end of this song, Mary speaks of God remembering his mercy, remembering his promise. It's a promise that runs the, the entire thread of Scripture from beginning to end. And it's a promise that God makes when he says, I will be your God and you will be my people. He promises it in the old. He promises it in the new. It's a promise that was affirmed in the baptism today. In these words, yours and mine. He's speaking of possessive relationship. God is promising to claim his own. And Mary is affirming that promise. An affirmation that of the promise that God made to the fathers, to Abraham and to the offspring after him forever. It is a promise of a familial relationship that is made secure by virtue of the child in her womb. This promise of familial relationship, we, it is a promise that we can praise God for because it does not depend upon us. It does not depend upon the circumstances of our birth. It does not depend upon the cleanliness of our past history. It does not depend upon the strength of our faith. It depends on Jesus. who secured our place in the family of God on the cross. When he bore the burden of our sin and therefore granted to us... His righteousness. 
This faith secured for us on the cross is one that we take hold of humbly, dependently in Christ alone through faith. Mary, she sings. The fact that this promise is a promise that runs the entire thread of Scripture is a truth that we see clearly laid out for us in Galatians 3.29 when Paul writes, If you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. He's telling us that if we are in Christ, we are members of the family of God. According to this promise that our God will claim his own. Mary sings joyfully because the baby in her womb is the one who has come to fulfill that promise for all of God's people throughout history, including us here today. That's what filled Mary's heart with joy. And it is what must come out in song. Mary sings. How about us? This song. This song is is the outworking of joy in Jesus. Joy has to get out. So I ask you, are you singing this Advent season? If so, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord if he has given you this song and you are singing this season. Revel in the joy of Jesus and sing. But for some of us, this joy is thwarted. Why is that? I've wrestled with that question this week because... Oftentimes, I want this joy so desperately, but if I'm honest with myself, I don't always feel it. And even in those moments, I I try and sing, but it can be a bit forced. Maybe there are a couple of reasons for this. Maybe you share these reasons. For one thing, this season that is meant to be marked My quiet anticipation has become a season of busyness, of obligation, of stress. Been to the ocean and tried to body surf? What is that like? You you try and swim along capturing the wave, but when that wave crests, it takes over. And you're a passenger propelled by a force that you can't control. And as that that wave crests on top of you, you just feel carried along. In some cases, pummeled. For some of us, the busyness and stress of this season feels like we're riding a wave that we didn't ask for. Busyness kills joy. For others of us, the Thwarting of joy has less to do with external stress and has more to do with a posture of the heart. 
as I've thought about this text this week and I've thought about preaching it, I've wrestled with this one myself. I've considered this text that is a song of praise and as glorious as that is, I believe, I believe uh, sometimes too much so that, that my call in preaching is to, is to extract nuggets from the Word and then teach you how to specifically put them to work in your life. In other words, to give you a do. And when we do that, we create a religion that is based on doing rather than being. I thought about that this week, and I thought about what is the do in this text? What is the application for us to take? And I come to this application of simply resting and praising Him. But if I'm honest, there are points in this week where I thought, that just seems too indulgent. Surely there must be something that is more productive about this text. Jesus is calling us to more joy than that. He's calling us to find joy in being. And then still, on the other hand, I've wrestled with the content of this song content that is calling us to embrace our lowliness and yet so much of my life seems to be taken up with this striving to be better and stronger and yet this song calls me to celebrate the one who is strong in my place and and that seems to be foreign to me maybe that's what the Lord is drawing out for us in this song that true joy is not in the doing true joy is in the being true joy is found in embracing our humble estate with eyes fixed on Jesus I desire that joy I desire the joy that wells up in me so much so that I act like my children who've just found out they've gotten a puppy. I have to run around the room singing and screaming. I desire that type of joy to you. If so, what if we rewrite the script? In this season of heightened busyness and productivity, God has given us a song. It's a song of expectant anticipation. It is Mary's song. And so as, re, as we rewrite the script, let's own it for ourselves. And let's sing it with our whole being. This is what it means to experience joy. By completely abandoning self-awareness and giving ourselves over in praise to the one whom we fixed our gaze upon. tell you a secret I'm not the best singer quit laughing Linda it's actually not a secret unfortunately the secret has gotten out a friend of mine has told me that there was once a podcast that we were doing of the sermon where my mic didn't get cut off and I sang a solo for all who would listen, loud and proud. And my friend told me about that. It was a struggle in my heart. 
You see, we have an adversary. The adversary wants us to focus not on Jesus, but on ourselves. And if I focus on myself when I sing, there is no joy. There is only fear. The Lord's calling me and you to abandon fear. To abandon self-focus. To be caught up in praise. Our adversary wants to rob us of joy. He wants to silence our praise. But in that moment, when my mic wasn't muted and I sang a solo for all of you, do you know what was happening? I wasn't thinking about myself. It was one of those rare, beautiful moments when joy took over. When I was blessedly unself-aware and there was joy in Jesus. Friends, joy does not mean that we have no trouble in life. Mary was going to be a teenage mother giving birth out of wedlock. (laughs) And yet she sang, my soul magnifies the Lord. I rejoice in God, my Savior. And she could sing that song because she anticipated what we get to remember. That Jesus came to secure our place in Him and to grant us a joy that cannot be muted. A joy that our adversary cannot steal. Because it is not based on my ability to sing. on the one who has claimed me as his own. And friends, that is reason to celebrate. I'll do my best to mute my mic when we sing. But you'll probably still hear me. And that's okay. I won't apologize and I ask you not to apologize either. I ask you to join me with reckless abandon and laser focus, not on ourselves, but on Jesus. You see, that's my prayer for both of us, that we'll see Jesus in his word and that we will find our joy as we lose ourselves. Rejoicing in God, our Savior. Lord Jesus, give us an ability to lose ourselves and find our focus in you. You are worthy of all our honor, all our praise, all the glory. And there, in that focus, we find joy. Give us that joy this Christmas. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.